हेलो एवरीवन दिस इज कथक का चक्कर माय नेम इज प्रमित एंड दिस प्लेस इज डिजाइन टू बी अ सेंट्रल प्लेटफॉर्म टू ब्रिंग कॉन्वर्सेशंस विद कथकर्स अक्रॉस द ग्लोब सो टुडे आई हैव विद मी कल्पना जबरा कल्पना दी इज एन आर्टिस्ट विद ओवर 20 इयर्स एक्सपीरियंस इन इंडियन क्लासिकल डांस फॉर्म्स कथक एंड भरतनाट्यम एज अ 2018 टू 2019 आर्टिस्ट इन रेजिडेंस फॉर डांस सोर्स ह्यूस्टन शी प्रोड्यूस्ड अ कोलैबोरेटिव शो ऑन कथक फ्लेमेंको विद सेवन अदर आर्टिस्ट फ्रॉम ह्यूस्टन इन 2021 शी एक्सटेंडेड दिस वर्क विद एन ओरिजिनल न्यू पीस कॉल्ड रिथम ऑफ जिंदगी दैट प्रीमियर्ड एट द मिलर आउटडोर थिएटर शी हैज बीन अ सोलो आर्टिस्ट एट द बार्नस्टोन डांस फेस्टिवल and is a certified teaching artist through the young audiences of Houston slash University of Houston. Kalpana Di, how are you? Namaste, and I'm good. Thank you. Yeah. At this point, I'd like to just thank Pandit Divyang Vakilji because that's how I kind of got to know about your work as well through the classes he does. And I guess, Kalpana Di, just to start off with, I've, I've noticed on your Instagram page, you've been pretty busy this year. There's been a lot of performances, you've raised money, and you've been... really doing a lot of things so we kind of catch us up on what's been going on yeah so uh i just recently concluded a show that was put on by the studio where uh i'm a faculty member so i'm in houston uh it was a beautiful collab uh in person studio experience and a live stream audience which we got to do for the first time and so somewhere along those lines we started thinking about it would be nice to have our own space and then it to also try and reach out to more audiences and Solomon Houston is a non-profit organization so um we are always trying to do good things to to the community that we're in and so it all worked out to where I was able to perform and raise money uh for a good organization um in august earlier we did our you mentioned it, the rhythms and the gee that we premiered at the Miller Outdoor Theater so On that note, Kalpana Di, so how does it feel to get it back on stage after a year? What was that like for you? It was very exciting. I really, it was, you know, uh, some parts of it, it was still scary because right around the time we were about to perform on stage, uh, the Delta variant was getting really uh, high in the Houston area. And so, uh people were starting to panic a little bit and we were not sure we knew we would be able to go on but then even amongst us artists we were uh afraid of how we were going to do it and we had another act after us they were the main act but uh, they had a more number of people in their troupe and we had to manage how many people could be there backstage um even with the rehearsals and all of that so there's a lot of stress and uh you know one of our uh members in our uh, group had uh young has young kids who are below the age of 10 so they're unvaccinated and so the risk of exposure to them is high so you know so many questions should we dance with a mask on but then that's difficult to do and then you know and you still want to you know it's not that great an experience to dance with a mask on so we still want to be able to dance without a mask but is it safe to do that so many questions but still the excitement of dancing in front of a live audience was just unmatched it was an unbelievable experience and such a great high 
Uh, and also we had, uh, because it was uh, live, that performance was live streamed as well. And we were able to reach out to audiences around the world. And we got great feedback from people uh, from around the world. And that felt really good as well. Um, yeah. And since you mentioned the live audience and you're based out of Houston, I'd just like to get a feel of it. Like when you when it comes to Kasak in Houston or even the state of the classical arts there, how do you feel about it based on the time you've been there? Where is it? How is it going there? Um, it's pretty good. I would say we have a lot of classical Indian uh, hmm. dance uh, artists in Houston okay. in all genres, uh, Bharatanatyam, Kathak, Odissi, Kuchipudi. Moiniyattam, yeah, you heard there's even a Manipuri dancer here, but who doesn't perform? Um, so we really have a lot of, uh, and of course, all the musicians. Uh, so we uh, have a lot of talent in Houston, and I feel there is a good uh, audience for all of it. Um, I feel that there is a lot of uh, performances that happen mostly towards the diaspora for the diaspora audiences and not so much in the mainstream, uh, but it is changing. Like every time we perform in places like the Miller Outdoor Theater, or the Barnstorm Dance Festival, you know, uh, or when I'm engaged with young audiences or dancer of Houston, I'm bringing it more, uh, more to the mainstream audience. And uh, there is definitely, every time we have performed uh, our Kathak Flamenco, which was a collaboration of two big uh, populations in the Houston area, predominant uh, feedback has been, we want to see more of this. Uh, we love it and we want to see more of this. Can you tell us a little bit more about this Kathak Flamenco collaboration you did and what was the process behind getting that set up? Back in uh, 2018 is when I applied uh, at Dance Source Houston uh, to, for an artist in residence uh, application. And I just put it down in there. We had at Salomon Houston, um, my colleague had, had uh, received some interest from a flamenco group saying, you know, we would like to work on, together on anything if it comes up and that was it. So she said, I may have someone in the flamenco area if you're interested in doing something with that. So with just that in mind, I applied mm -hmm. to the artist in residence uh, application mm -hmm. and I received it. And then I was petrified. I was like, oh my God, I now have to produce a 20 minute, at least 20 minute thing that I know nothing about. Mm. So then I started to gather my team and uh, I reached out to the flamenco folks. And the first time I talked to uh, Irma from Solara Flamenco, uh, mm -hmm. it was such a warm personality. I felt good about it. I said, okay, this looks like, yeah, that we have some common goals and we, you know, we both love our art and we're passionate about our art form but we would still like to explore because there's so much historical significance and um, so on, you know. So then we decided to meet and when we met, it was just amazing. We bonded so well. It was, she gave me a big warm hug and from there on, I was like, okay, all my panic is gone. I know we can do this. And 
so from there on, I started uh, to talk to all the, uh, I didn't really have a Hindustani uh, Kathak uh, musician set uh, per se. I had, I had never up until then worked with any uh, musicians uh, live. I'd only been dancing to recording. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I've done uh, dances to live music uh, in India with my mm -hmm. teachers who uh, or in Malaysia with my uh, Guruji, but they were the ones who were leading it. Here, uh, I had to gather my own team and I had to lead uh, how it was going to progress and all of that. So there's a lot of growing learning uh, for me to do as well as an artist mm -hmm. to be able to conduct all of that. So. It was, uh, as each person I met, I felt better and better about the project. And like, wow, these are all individual people. They're all from Houston. Mm. They're all established artists in their own genre. And I think, you know, personality wise, I really felt like, yeah, this would, I think I feel it. I can feel that this is going to be really good. But we didn't, uh, we didn't get funding till about end of December. And then uh, we started to work on the re rehearsals in January 2019. Mm -hmm. The first day we met, again, everybody is like very nervous to meet each other. You know, how are the egos going to work? And, you know, it, there's always the problem mm -hmm. of that, right? When you have uh, established musicians and artists uh, coming together. You could, you could potentially have a clash of egos, but in this case, there was none of that. And we just started exploring, start, you know, uh, some, uh, one person is singing a little bit, the other person responds to it, said, oh, but that sounds so similar. I love how that sounds. Uh, what about this? And, you know, we just started jamming together and uh, it, it was such a beautiful experience for all of us. So the more we got together, we got to know each other better and we've come together almost like a family now. So after that initial, so our, what was supposed to be just 20 minutes, uh, up to 20 minutes was the requirement. We had to force ourselves to cap it at 28 minutes. You know, we're like, uh, we have so much material. Nice. We can going on you know how do we control it and um, so then we said okay after, so after that whole artist in residence uh, thing happened um, then we said well we still have so much material so we decided we're going to put on a full length uh, evening program so we did a private show uh, that we uh, sold tickets to and uh, had a show and that was almost 70 75 minutes long uh, yeah and it was amazing such an amazing experience to work with all these uh, artists and uh, so after that you know we we're like okay we can't just stop here we have to continue this because we've just formed such a great bond with each other but then COVID happened and everything kind of uh, just uh, shut down but it was in the back burner then uh, this year this year was when again things started opening up and uh, I I was able to receive a grant uh, that allowed me to uh, continue uh, the working for the Rhythmos in the Gi, which was the second part of it. Uh, so that one uh, is very special uh, to me because I really wanted to do uh, something that started off with a very heavy Kathak bass, um, which was uh, like I took the Ginti Tihais from Kathak and we started exploring from that. Where do we go from here? 
and uh, how do we uh, plug in a flamenco theme to it, you know? And then, you know, the rhythm of, uh, what is the most basic rhythm that we have, which is the heartbeat. And so starting with the, the heartbeat sound, you know, uh, we come into the Ginti Dihais. And so that's how the rhythm was in the evolved and uh, also been very, uh, a fun experience. Understood. Uh, yeah, thank you for sharing all the behind the scenes and stuff like that. There were, there were, you already answered some of the questions I was going to ask you in terms of how do artists get together and things. Um, one thing I was very curious about, Kalpanandi, as, as you've kind of collaborated with other people, you might have figured out certain things about yourself, like the kind of people you want to work with and don't want to work with. So when you collaborate with people, what uh, like the, the things I heard was like you would like them to be warm and, you know, uh, you know, you put your ego aside and they'll be easy to work with. Those are the things I heard. But when you're looking for collaborators, who, what are the kind of people or what, what attributes are you looking for in your collaborators? Uh, really, yeah, somebody who is very passionate about mm. their uh, art form. I think that's really important because when someone is uh, passionate, then they want to share the joy of their art form. And so then they're willing to uh, work uh, with other people to do that, to spread the joy together or, uh, you know, uh, say, hey, uh, and like even, even when in our Kata uh, uh, Flamenco thing, many a times uh, we would be like, oh, but we don't do it like that. That concept is not there for us. You know, uh, that doesn't make sense to us, but still we would, you know, like, uh, be able to come together, find a meeting point where we can do things together. So I think it has to be someone that uh, is willing to uh, accept uh, suggestions or even criticisms from other people. Be, be open to that, uh, you know, not take it as a personal attack, but uh, as something that will help us evolve the art form and create something uh, new and something different and uh, see what comes out of it. We don't always have to accept everything that somebody says, you know, that there's good and bad and you go back and reflect and think about it and then uh, find the common meeting ground. So a passionate person, a warm person, definitely uh, someone that doesn't think they're the greatest and that's it, you know. I always feel like the art form is uh, greater than the person. And uh, so you have to always be cognizant of that and know that you're just one little piece navigating through this massive ocean. So hmm. you have to be humble. Fair. So yeah, so you talked about being passionate and having an open mind and just recognizing that the art form is greater than the person. So yeah, that's what I switch you on there, Kalpanadi. And I guess when you're talking about Kathak Flamenco, one thing I was very curious about is as your explorations, what as what is it about Flamenco that lends itself to collaborating with Kathak? Because you see people doing that. So in your explorations, what have you found makes it easy or makes it difficult? Uh, if you'd like to share something about that. Yeah, so historically, uh, they're... Um... You know, they have origins from the Northwest region of uh, the India, Pakistan, Punjab, Sindh area. You know, so they had a lot of uh, migrations that happened from there into uh, um, 
the central part of Asia and then into Spain. And but they've also had a lot of other influences. They have Arabic more uh, influences uh, come in. So they're they have common things with the Kathak and they have many differences as well with Kathak. So uh, uh, one of the other common things uh, is uh, interesting to me is the the castanets that they use is uh, what's the, a castanet? They have these uh, little uh, things that they have. They make sounds with their hands. Oh, okay, it's, like symbols. Yeah, uh, it's uh, yeah, not quite. It's not metallic. Uh, okay. It's not their castanets are not metallic from what I understand there. Okay. Uh, they have a so it's not a metallic sound, but it's uh, one of the origins for that is the kartal from the Rajasthan area. Uh, you know, you know the kartal. It's like a wooden thing with little metallic bells that okay. they have two of them and they hold it and they make a click click uh, mm. sound. So uh, you know, so that the, those castanet. Uh, concept comes from the Kartal uh, concept of Rajasthan. So, you know, they, that's one of the uh, evolutionary things that has happened through history. Right. And uh, so, yeah, there's just, when you start looking into it, you'll see that, oh my, oh my gosh, you know, so we, um, the first time we met, right, we're like, okay, how do we even, what do we begin with? I had just very, uh, basic generic ideas of what I wanted to do not really mm. uh, I wasn't dictating this is what we're going to do and this is how the sections are going to break and you know right. I didn't have a clear idea in my head so just a general idea okay I want to do a tarana at the end and I want to do an ex exp uh, a piece with expressions in the middle and I want to have like a beginning and uh, when we were talking we all felt like we must establish Kathak as how pure Kathak is, and we must establish flamenco as how pure flamenco is uh, uh, shown and performed, and then talk about how we come together, not just uh, meld together, or or even when we uh, you know say we are coming together, we don't want it to still be. Kathak people dance, flamenco people dance, Kathak people dance, flamenco people dance, and call it Kathak flamenco, because that's really not coming together. You know, so when we, we show something that's coming together, we really want it to be, uh, 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 we really want it to be like uh, melded together. Uh, so with that, we started exploring. And so then we were like, okay, so, you know, what are some of the sounds? Uh, first was the, you know, what, uh, how is the rhythm? So they generally follow like a 12 beat rhythm, which we do 12 beats in Kathak as well. And so said, okay, then, you know, maybe yeah, we can be common there. And then they have eight beats rhythm and we do 16 beats. So yes, we can mesh with that, you know, so uh, that's good. But the way they do their 12 beats rhythm, they have uh, certain patterns to it. They have a down accent, they have up accent. And so it, it's like, well, I'm going to try, but hopefully no mistakes. But it's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 12. You know, so they have accents on certain beats and they uh, dance it differently. And we don't necessarily distinguish when we are doing 12 beats. 
rhythm on which beat we are on and uh, uh, what we're doing there. So we're like, hmm, that's interesting. And so then we're, we started looking at, okay, what kind of footwork do you do? You know, we, we have uh, like in Kataka, four beat, four beat, or takita, takita, you know, takita, uh, dikita. Then they're like, oh, we, we have those sounds and this is how ours sounds, you know. So they're following it more uh, by the sound of how we, uh, how my footwork was going on or how the tabla was playing uh, the rhythms. And then they're like, yeah, we have something similar. And then we started to do spins and then, uh, um, our flamenco dancer Edith showed showed a spin where uh, it's uh, almost like a akash brahmari kind of thing, but uh, she's spinning with her uh, torso, and I that visual just captivated me. And I'm like, okay, we have to end our end our show on this. I want to do a revolving chakra around you while you're doing this kind of spin in place. And I, I'm gonna do a revolving chakra around you and we're gonna go into the song. It's so that that visual just like, it, it just came to me at that moment. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is it. And from that ending, we built uh, a lot of the Tarana uh, part of it. Because we said, yeah, that's how our Paran uh, ending is going to be. And so this is something I was just wondering, uh, Kalmanali, since you kind of work with them and collaborate, um, you know, in like, say, in, in a more corporate setting, you have the concept of, say, work friends where you, you know, you're only friends with them to a certain level. You don't go all in on, you know, and you have actual friends who may not be working with you directly, but may be in a different department or a different company. How does it work where, in collaborations? Are you, going, are you able to be truly friends with them or is it you just have to have, you do have to have some sort of professional barrier and you have like work friends, quote unquote curious about that i have worked in collaborations where we just kind of get together do the collaboration uh, and we meet only for that and then we separate we're still good friends at the end of it and that was it but in this scenario i think team is just so warm and giving <laughs> we just love each other's uh, cultural uh, experiences and so we shared a lot of our experiences with each other and so we met outside uh, of the studio rehearsal space a lot we had dinners together parties together and so it just I think uh, helped uh, create that really close bond with each other you know so to where we want to continue as a group uh, going forward and to shift gears a bit, Kalpana, the, since you mentioned Pandit Divyang you would want to know what your experience has been learning Dalvidya from him. I'm in his beginner batch. I'm supposed to submit my homework videos today, so I will. But tell me about how what your experience has been with that like. Yeah, so I I just love it. You know, um, I only joined with him about two years ago. And I also started by doing uh, some of his workshops that he had. Uh, but then... Uh, very quickly, I realized I definitely need this in my life. Um, uh, it, it's been amazing. The whole experience is amazing. I Every single class uh, that I attend of his, I just feel like I come away with learning something different, something new. And uh, over the, uh, the few months, you know, I just, I can see the growth in me. 
it's just things are just unlocking and they're opening up. I can see the patterns and he's, he's helping me see so much more into the rhythmic aspect of Katak uh, that I couldn't have seen earlier. And uh, so on that note, since you're seeing more rhythmic patterns, has that changed the way you approach dance as well? Uh, yeah, I definitely, I feel like I was able to go into this uh, Rhythmo Zindagi, uh, especially going from it from a Gintiti High perspective with a lot more confidence. Hmm. Uh, and even uh, my general Kathak, and it was uh, remarked upon by some of my flamenco artists and said, you know, compared to my 2019 performance to the 2021 uh, this, there's a noticeable change in uh, your rhythmic sense. Mm. Yeah, you know, and uh, and I felt so good. Like, yes, thank you, Guruji, uh, because it's really, uh, yeah. No, I definitely see um, that I'm able to uh, understand. Um, yeah, understand the rhythmic patterns, and then. Uh, that helps me uh, dance, be a better dancer. Hmm. Glad. No, yeah, I'm glad. Thank you for sharing that story. Glad this helping you out as well. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, and it's pretty amazing that other people can notice that as well. Because, you know, as you're going through this, you don't know if you're getting better. But when you hear that from other people, it's like, okay, fine. That's good. Yeah. So, um, and I guess since... You know, this whole online classes thing is new for a lot of us, but what around the street is you've been doing it a lot longer than the rest of us. So can you tell us a little bit about how you started online classes and what that was like for you? Yeah, so, um, so for me, um, I started Kathak after a long break uh, of dance in my life. I grew up learning Bharatanatyam and I learned that for, I don't know, 16, 17 years, something like that. Um, but then I had a long break of about 17 years in the middle. And so when I restarted dance, I just start, joined Kathak because it was just a hobby and I was just wanting to learn something different. Uh, then I'm, I was in Malaysia at that time. And uh, when, no, actually I was in, in Bangalore when I first started Kathak as a hobby, yeah, in Bangalore, India at that time. Uh, then I moved to Malaysia and in Malaysia, I met my Guruji, he, uh, my Kathak Guruji, uh, Pandit Santosh Kumar Chatterjee. He was there from um, the Indian government as a cultural ambassador and he was posted in uh, Malaysia. So he was just there waiting for students and I went in and I said, I want to learn Kathak. And he's, he saw me, he saw my potential. He saw uh, that I, I, I had very strong uh, Bharatanatyam body at that time. You know, even though I hadn't danced for 17 years, I was still very stiff and my, I was a very good Bharatanatyam student. So to change myself into the Lucknow Garana style of uh, the ang and the flow, the wrist uh, rotations, it, it was a lot of hard work. And it's still work in progress, I think. But, you know, so he, uh, he started working with me and that was super exciting for me because he is a Guruji who um, uh, trained under uh, Pandit Vijay Shankar, under Pandit Ram Narayan, uh, uh, Mishra and then uh, uh, Shrimati Sitara Deviji, he uh, and Pandit uh, Birjumaraji, you know, so 
he has a lot he's literally been dancing singing uh, music and all that since he was five years old so he he's a guruji of like amazing amounts of knowledge and i'm like how can i get more from this guruji you know he he is the kind of guruji i want to learn more from because he is amazing uh so i was there uh it was about three years of learning from him in malaysia then we moved back uh to the us and he moved back to kolkata and i'm like wow is this it you know is uh, is my katha learning going to stop here or how am i going to continue this and i kept telling him guruji let's you know don't and he's like oh i'm going to lose my student now and i'm like no guruji let's please let's see if we can work it out you know we can do it through skype we can try this online he's like no 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 online classes will not work that is not happening you know it, it has to be in person i'm like no guruji but i don't want to you know we don't want to lose this relationship so uh let's try i said okay we will try and then uh, it took him a few months but then he was able to uh get himself sorted uh with a computer and uh the webcam and getting skype on it i mean uh he still needs help sometimes from a internet per- it person to come help him if something goes wrong you know he's not um uh, that uh savvy with the computer technology but so he was hesitant to get into it you know but i am a software engineer by profession and i'm like i know we can do this you know uh let's please let's try so we started uh in i i think it was january 2015 we started uh um take doing the lessons on Skype and I started taking lessons from him two times a week and I'm still taking lessons from him two times a week to this day through Skype and we've grown along the years you know so initially it was uh, very difficult uh, for him to teach and for me to grasp it but still the 3 years that I had spent in Malaysia learning from him in person really helped me to understand uh, some of the nuances the way he was teaching it when he said certain things i could understand it uh, quicker um so then we've progressed and uh, also uh, before the pandemic i was going um, at least once a year to india and i would host him at my place uh, in mysore for about a week or two weeks and then uh, we would have a whole bunch of in person correction morning evening uh, kind of thing uh, you know and so that that model kind of helped a lot but now it's been about two and a half years since i've gone back to india so uh, uh it's pending now my in person corrections but i think uh, over the years we've really grown and uh another thing that really helped me in uh, recent times is my own teaching uh virtually during uh, last year especially when i had to switch to my teaching my students online i realized that a lot of uh you know st- n- students necessarily don't know to ask the right questions of uh what the depth is or what an angle is of a position uh when you show it to them they just do it 
but they don't necessarily know to ask how far is this if I put my hand here how far is it you know like what is is the depth this much or is it like here you know from this to this is not you not very visible but uh, it makes a difference in how the overall image looks of the artist, right? So as I've, I've been teaching, I've been learning as a teacher that, oh my gosh, I need to turn around and show it to my students. Like, this is how it should be. And, you know, try to gauge. And if you're in a small room, don't make your corners, your 45 degree angle, you know, make it a little more wider. Imagine yourself in a wider space uh, so that it's not very narrow. Your body positions are not very narrow. And, you know, things like that. So then I've been able to take that back to my Guruji. And so I'll, I'll ask him now when, you know, certain things are not clear. It's like, I turn around and say, is it like this or is it like this? Then he, it sparks more for him as well. Uh, so it's been good. I've learned uh, Abhinaya pieces from him. I've learned uh, Nritta pieces from him and uh, they've all been, uh, yeah, good. So I'm glad to have him in my life as well. <laughs> yeah, thank you for sharing that. And yes, I think angles are pretty a pretty big deal when it comes to online classes for sure. And I'm glad you were able to convince him of continuing that. And yeah. So, and I guess what I wanted to ask you, one thing you mentioned is that you had a strong Bharatanatyam body and then transition to Kathak was difficult. For, so I don't really know a whole lot about Bharatanatyam at all. So I guess when someone comes in with a strong Bharatanatyam background and they want to get into Kathak, what are the first few things they have to correct or what are the major corrections they have to make? Or I wouldn't say corrections, I would say transitions. I wouldn't say that's a better word. Yeah. Yeah. Transitions. Um yeah, so now uh, I do have a few uh, students, Kusilamam uh, Houston, is, um, uh, they've been uh, doing Bharatanatyam for about 20 years. So I have a few students who, uh, Bharatanatyam students who are learning Kathak from me uh, now. And uh, so one of the things is, you know, Bharatanatyam always has this elbow out like that. And, and this hasta is stiff, pataka. So uh, the first thing I have to say is bring this elbow down. Everything, you know, and for me, that was the biggest correction. Every time I did this, my elbows would go out and Guruji's like, your elbow is out, your shoulder, shoulder is up. So uh, being right here and, uh, you, you know, and not just raising that. Uh, and then uh, the wrist rotation that because, because hastas are very stiff, uh, all the gestures are stiff. So there's inherent like, stiffness that you don't even realize that you're doing in Bharatanatyam because you just danced like that. But when you have such stiff wrists, you can't, it's very difficult to move this, to get that uh, flexible movement with the wrist. So you have to let go of that. That took me the longest time uh, to understand. And then uh, I, love, I love this uh, quote by my Guruji. Uh, he used to correct me um, in Malaysia. He used to say, hatoda. you know, so, <laughs> uh, oh, because he said, why are you like chopping, chopping, you know, it's, it's so, it's supposed to be very graceful, you know, and so now going back and analyzing it, I feel like, yeah, okay, 
elbow has to come down, then the wrist has to rotate, you know, that understanding took a long time for mm. me. And I feel also like um, Parthnatian students, uh, instead of having the upright stance, they'll, uh, because our Monday is such a big thing in Bharatanatyam, they'll tend to have a micro bend in their mm. knees. And that prevents you from uh, doing fast uh, footwork. Mm. Uh, so uh, I have to correct that. And I had to correct that in myself mm. as well. Okay. Yeah. So that, there's things. And uh, uh, also this a uh, lot of upper body only movement is a little uh, difficult to master. So a lot of lot of things I feel like they move from the elbow mm-hmm. onwards yeah. like this, and uh, it has to be wrist initiated. Understood. You know, so uh, things yeah. like that. You know, it's the little yeah. things. So yeah, Kalmadi. First of all, thank you you for almost falling out of your chair to show me everything. I appreciate the effort <laughs> you put into this. Uh, but yeah, I really appreciate all the visual examples and everything. That really makes sense. Uh, thank you for that. And since you talked about you know so how your Guruji corrected you and how you correct your students, so with that comes to my next question, Harpanadi. Like so, whenever you learn from someone in your teaching, there's certain things that you're going to pass on directly that your Guruji taught you, and there's certain things you're going to do differently. Pretty much every teacher, every Guru, every instructor does that. So, what are the things that you do or the way you teach that is different from how you were taught Kathak? Yeah, so I feel like uh, my Kathak Guruji uh, doesn't necessarily explain everything to me. He uh, definitely uh, wants me to figure out a lot of things. Even if I ask him pointed, direct questions, he will just have like a very <laughs> uh, naughty gleam in his face and he'll just say, <laughs> think about it, practice it, think about it and practice it. And, um, you know, because he wants me to uh, come to the conclusion myself. He wants me to think and analyze and get it, you know. Uh, But I feel, I feel, personally feel sometimes that's difficult to get to unless you have a lot of experience and you're like really deeply immersed in the art, which I feel for my students, uh, most of them only see me once a week. And many of them are working professionals, uh, family, kids, and so on. So the amount of time, uh, they're not all uh, kids. Even with kids, they have so much homework and other activities and so on. It's, so I feel like the amount of time they devote to a Kathak practice is not as much as uh, they, would, they should be doing it. They should be putting it, you know? So... The amount of time they have for immersion and uh, self-reflection and meditation and all that is less. So I I probably uh, spoon feed them a little bit more. Uh, I, I explain things, I think, a little bit more. Uh, I just feel like if you understand the details, then you can uh, grasp it better. I felt like I was uh, floundering a, a lot in the beginning, um, trying because he would tell me things to do, but I wouldn't necessarily understand how to do them or 
uh, how to go about trying to practice it. Now I ask him, how do I do this? How do I do this? You know, tell me, tell me, tell me. But initially I was very shy and scared of him, you know, so I used to not ask as many questions. So I tried to uh, ease it for my students a little bit by giving them a little more extra detail, I feel. Yes, and that's something I've noticed um, that uh, like a guru of a certain generation ten- tend to just tell you, just do it a million times and you'll get it. And as a result of which the gurus, uh, the teachers from the next generation kind of tend to focus on the nuances because that is something they want. So that does happen as you get more and more detail with each generation. So Kalpnadi, uh, you said that your students should be practicing more. I, I think everyone should be practicing more. That's just a general thing. So I guess on that note, when you feel like your students aren't practicing enough or they're falling behind kind of thing, how do you encourage them to do more? Or what, do you, what, what strategies have you found work for you or your students? We started using an app called Flipgrid that allows the students to submit uh, video submissions as homework. And uh, then as a teacher, you can comment on it and send them back uh, more feedback on individualized feedback uh, for them, you know, and that kind of uh, motivated them to submit. And um, I I also feel like all my, every one of my students loves covets. Uh, they just love covet. So I feel like if I throw in a small covet uh, once in a while, they they are encouraged to practice. But generally, I have uh, good students, so they do practice. Yeah, I mean, thanks for sharing that. So you talked about, what was the name of the app again? Flipscript? Flipgrid. Flipgrid. Okay, Flipgrid. I check that out. Okay, there's Flipgrid and then there's certain elements or certain compositions they just relate to more, so they want to do it more. So that makes sense. And in terms of Kalpanadi, your teaching style, like um, how do you approach it in terms of like, say, balancing being too strict and being too like lenient with them? Like, how do you find that line and where do you see yourself in that spectrum? Yeah, I think I'm uh, quite a pushover. <laughs> I'm too lenient. Um, so um, I, I, I have been uh, told by other uh, colleagues of mine that I'm not as strict as I should perhaps be, but I, uh, I always, because most of my students are adults, uh, actually, most of my students are adults. So with them, I don't really need to, they can understand and relate better. The experience of teaching and learning is much easier with them. I have very few uh, little kids as students. Uh, and so as, since I have very few little kids as students, I am very lenient with them and uh, I should probably start to be more strict. <laughs> uh, but I just feel, oh, they're kids for such a short time. But still, you know, it, as long as they are practicing and they're showing me that they're grasping the concepts and they're learning um, and they're eager to learn uh, the next bit and I'm okay with that. So a few uh, disciplinary issues here and there. I am not super strict about it, uh, but I should be. I do. I do like to have a good discipline in the classroom where, when the class is going on, everybody should be paying attention to me. They should be mm-hmm. listening. If they're, if they're, you know. So in a group of mostly adults, I have one uh, mm-hmm. little one. 
And then she tends to get distracted here and there. And then I have to, you know, uh, stop the class and say, come on, focus, mm-hmm. you know, get up. And so that little bit of a distraction, but I'm not very harsh. I am very uh, particular about punctuality mm-hmm. though. I do not like people wandering into the class after the class has started. I always tell everyone, you need to be here 10 minutes early, put on your bells and be ready for as soon as class starts. Because yeah, I, initially I used to uh, go beyond an hour. You know, If I'm teaching for an hour, then I would be so involved in it, I would extend the class and then I got, uh, you know, told that, oh, you know, she's moving beyond an hour, like our, we're waiting for our kids to come out and, you know, it's taking more than an hour. So I'm like, oh, okay, I have to be mindful of when I have to mm-hmm. stop. Then that means you have to be mindful of when you come in, you can't come in mm-hmm. late, you know, you have to be ready to dance uh, as soon as the class starts. And so if you're, if you don't come into class, if you come late to class, I give you three, three okay. warnings then you'll have to sit down and just watch the class. You can't dance. Okay. I'm- so I'm strict in that way. I'm very, I'm very strict. I'm very particular about form. Mm. You know, I will work with you for as long as you want, trying to make you understand, uh, to get whatever detail you need to know to get to the form that you mm. want. But if you're consistently not bothered and just throwing your hand out in wherever it goes, then I'll start to get more and more <laughs> irritated <laughs> with you. <laughs> As, you know, mm-hmm. So it's, it's a give and take from both sides. So Kalpanaji, like with like, so when it comes to irritations and frustrations, be it from say, like your students not maybe not doing what you want them to do or say, you know, maybe, maybe certain clashes and collaborations and things like that. How do you like to de-stress from all of that and get away so that you can get back to it again the next day? Um, I love, uh, teaching. I love to teach, uh, period, uh, because I think it brings great joy when I see, when I teach some concept and the student gets it and then they can, uh, reproduce it. And this beautiful dance form is being reflected in them. That, that mm. to me is uh, the greatest joy I can get uh, watching them dance beautifully. Okay. And um, so that keeps me motivated uh, for de-stress and stuff. I do lots of other things uh, as well. You know, I've, I'm into CrossFit and cross-training, yoga, and, uh, you know, so I, there's all of that and my own family and who are, um, you know, they support me in my dance, but they're none of my kids are dancers themselves because when they were growing up, I wasn't teaching. Yeah. Uh, so they didn't grow up in the environment of dance. And now they're like, no, dance is your thing. We're happy to support you, but it's not mm-hmm. for us. So, which is fine, you yeah. know. Uh, so I, I have them to balance it out for me. <laughs> yeah. uh, so CrossFit, does that mean you're going to, uh, are you interested in doing the games anytime soon or how do you feel about that? Oh, I've been in oh. games like the uh, as as a you know like bottom uh, participant, not the the superstar uh, games. But you know, uh, for a few years they had um, 
or no, they still do. When they do the CrossFit Open, they open it up Not to anyone, yeah. all, uh, everyone in the community. So I was I was part of it, and I did uh, participate a few years, hmm. and I did decent in my age category. It's That's amazing because you know every week you're thrown some new challenge that it makes you reach out to parts that you didn't know you could do. You know, you always go go in thinking, oh my god, how am I gonna pass through this test? But at the end of it, you do somehow. And I always pulled more out of myself uh, after each uh, workout. And I'm like, wow, that, that was very interesting. You know, first of all, I'm like at the bottom. I can't do most of the things, uh, but still I am challenging myself and I'm all, all, always finding more out of that I can pull out of myself. And so uh, I find that great. I find that as a good uh place to be in understood and thanks for sharing and congratulations on doing great on your age category kind of brings me to my next question kalpanadi uh, kind of circling back to the middle of where we were uh, you said you started restart after a long time so and after a long gap and that also means that you kind of started at quote unquote what people would say late so how did how do you feel how does how did it feel when you did start again and how do you feel now about the whole age thing and starting after a long gap i just want to know your thoughts on it because you know, that kind of circulates a lot in our community so yeah uh so um i did yeah i started at a very late age i i always uh tell people that i was like 40 years old when i took my first chucker <laughs> and i couldn't do two chuckers in a row without getting all dizzy you know uh, but it was it was definitely very hard but because I think I had like a, a really a good Guruji who saw the potential in me and he said, you can become a professional in this if you put your uh, heart and mind to it. And I, want, I wanted to do that for myself. Uh, so I was willing to put in the hard work. It, I will not say it's not been hard work. It's definitely a lot of hard work. I have had to, the reason I started this whole CrossFit cross training uh, thing is to bring myself to a level of fitness. I was very unfit when I started, when I uh, just started Katha, you know. Uh, so there was a lot of, uh, and uh, very, uh, yeah, uh, yoga as well, uh, because the flexibility needed for the spine rotation and all of that, you know, it's, it's taken me a long uh, time, but I feel as I'm getting older, even though I'm getting older, um, I feel like my body is getting stronger. So I feel like I'm in a really good position now. I don't feel my age right now, even though I'm in the older age category. Uh, I feel I'm dancing some of my strongest katak yet. I may not be able to do as dynamic a spin as a, 25-year-old can do, perhaps. But that doesn't stop me from doing, putting all my heart out uh, when I'm doing any footwork or any, uh, uh, you know, tukras, todas, params kind of thing. So there's definitely physical limitations that will, that will come into play for me. But as long as my body cooperates, I... We'll continue to dance and Aditiji is like my biggest inspiration for that when I see her I'm like wow she's amazing at how well she dances you know so 
and um i guess kalpana ji we kind of we talked about your second flamenco we talked about restarting we talked about your residency your projects your teaching and your guruji kind of so kind of uh, touched upon everything we wanted to so kalpana ji i guess coming to my last question kalpana ji we just wanted to know for you what what are some of the future projects coming out and also like if there are people out there who want to start dance and they feel they are quote too old what would you tell them and if there's any advice you can give them just want to know touch upon those two things towards the end Yeah so I de- definitely you know I, as I told you before uh most of my students are adults uh, so m- many of them are in their late 30s uh, early 40s like that and uh, so when they come to me they're like oh can we dance uh can we do kathak uh, or they come into kathak thinking it's easy So if Kathak is not easy, you know, compared to, you know, when you see someone doing an Armandi, they're like, oh, I cannot do Armandi, so I'll, I'll go to Kathak because it's standing and it's easy. Uh, but it's not, you know, and, uh, but I always tell them, look, if I can do Kathak and, and start it at age 40 and anyone can do it, you must be willing to put in the time and effort and depending on where you want to go where you want to reach with it if you're just learning for the fun of learning and you don't really want to take it anywhere that's okay you know you can dance you can do kathak and you you can do it moderately where some you know professional will do like five spins you take three or you take two spins and that it's okay it won't be necessarily uh, in the right uh, rhythmic uh, structure but as long as you end correctly it's okay you know that that's acceptable uh it's not going to be you know nobody's going to judge you and say oh you didn't dance kathak properly yeah it's fine uh, so you can you can do it anybody can do kathak the expressions the bhav the grace all that it's possible to do so i always encourage everyone uh to learn dance uh it's It's one of the greatest blessings of my life. I can say that being able to dance and being able to express myself on stage and share my stories. Mm-hmm. Yes, that, that too. Oh, <laughs> uh, you had a second Future project. What's well, in the pipeline? What's coming up for you? Uh, what's uh, coming up? Oh, yeah. There's always. Uh, um, I don't plan too many things. So we definitely have talked about. Uh, you know there's a few more kathak flamenco things coming up people want to see more of us so we're definitely going to be performing it those again in the meantime we're always looking forward to extending that work then from a kathak perspective only i would uh, like to do like a, a traditional kathak solo you know we haven't done that uh, i haven't uh, done a full blown kathak solo in houston and uh, that's something i would like to do there's always collaborations uh, at Salomon Houston we teach many uh, art forms uh, at least four dance forms we have you know kathak bharatanatyam odissi kuchipudi so we always have collaborations going on with us and putting things together and then there's the young audiences uh, part as well which i didn't get a chance to talk to you about actually over <laughs> uh so the young audiences uh think it's mentioned in my bio that I'm a teaching artist and um i don't know if you know what that means no i don't tell me 
So a teaching artist is someone uh, who goes into the school system, the ISD school districts, and you go into the mainstream class and you teach uh, math, science, uh, English, you know, uh, literature, that sort of stuff using your art. Yes, so uh, you, there's a training you have to go through it and which is what I, that's why it says I'm certified through Young Audiences of Houston. So because it's young audiences, mm -hmm. you know, so they're school kids. So uh, the, um, what I have done is um, I've been able to take poetry, uh, the English poetry that they uh, learn in class and uh, break it down for them. And uh, it's making the students be creative uh, using art and movement. Mm -hmm and uh, allowing them to express themselves uh, through an art mm. form and uh, helping them navigate, uh, like breaking down a poem, uh, helping them to create little uh, scenes from the poem and act it out, collaborate with, but using the art form. So I tied in with my Kathak Kavit and Kathak poetry. I introduced them to Kathak, Kathak sounds, Kathak, Kathak gestures, and then they go into their English poetry and then they work with that. And they, so as a, you know, so you're, that's what like a teaching artist is. So you can do the same thing with math and science concepts. So um, like an example is, you know, the life cycle of a butterfly. Mm. Instead of just teaching it to them, you know, these are the four stages of the life cycle of what I love, you know, instead of having to memorize that, they act it out. And that registers and sticks with the students much better. They get up and they move. And uh, instead of being uh, stuck behind a desk the entire day. So uh, that's what a teaching artist does. Mm. And I feel... I feel really blessed any time whenever I've had to go interact with the students because again, it's a room full of uh, kids and uh, they're just so eager to learn uh, and you know to be able to express themselves in ways that is cool because uh, otherwise, you know, if you're just going, joining a drama class, other students might make fun of you or uh, things like that. But when the entire class is participating, then it's cool. Mm. And I've seen like all girls, boys, all of them are just having great fun uh, participating in the classroom. Mm. So as you are seeing the four stages of a butterfly, I realized um, I knew three stages and the fourth stage popped out of my head. And I think it wouldn't have happened if you had taught me. So that would have been a fun <laughs> way to learn it. But yeah, with, yeah. with that, I kind of bring this episode to a close. I'd say my favorite parts were when you were ena enacting the differences between Bharatanatyam and Kathak or what you need to correct, the uh, how you kind of gain a greater sense of rhythm and of course the fourth stage of the butterfly because that's going to eat me up what the fourth stage <laughs> is. So I have to look that after I, I end. But thank you so much for coming on. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. I really appreciate it your efforts at bringing this together. It's really amazing. And thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. I didn't, I didn't think I could talk so much, but I did. Apparently I am passionate about talking as well. <laughs> <laughs>